You're listening to the Gurus, Books, Beards, and Self-Improvement Podcast, co-hosted by Andy and Brian. The quote of the day is, the salvation of man is through love and in love. Victor E. Frankel, Man's Search for Meaning. That is one of the most powerful statements in this book, I believe. Yeah, it is. And it is, you know, the interesting thing about that quote is, it is timeless and it doesn't have to persist with just this book and, you know, what's going on, but his understanding of something at that level, that love is the most important thing. And that's what drives you. Um, it's amazing. It's amazing. And it, it really is. Um, and you think about the context in which he's writing this, right? He's talking about, um, a situation where I believe, if, I, if I'm recalling it correctly, I could look it up in the book, but I don't want to do that right now. He, he's talking to a man about their, their wives. And it, uh, I think that is what spawned him to kind of get on this topic of love, right? Is this idea that he loves his, his wife and loves his friends and loves, you know, there's lots of people in particular, he's focusing on his wife, but thinking about ways to escape from their current reality that is so grim, that is so dark, that is so miserable, and that love is what seemingly, at least in that moment, is what takes them out of that darkness. Yeah, absolutely. They, Absolutely. And I think that you're absolutely right. It's, it's boundaryless. It's, there's, there's no end in sight of it's in, it's in, you know, it goes to infinity. And I think that that's, I believe that strongly that, that we can generate that type of love. And he even talks about in this situation, bliss, uh, blissful, like love without end that blissful moment and we've had experiences like that. Hopefully everyone has that's uh, hearing this, that we've had this blissful love that is just amazing where it's just so powerful. You're just so struck by this uh, emotion of love and this feeling of love that just comes over you in just such a strong way. And, you know, I definitely believe that I have gained more by being selfless. And I think that's where he's, He's, he's just talking about the general, like how he's in this horrible situation and it's just completely no, the lack of self is there, but this love feeling is there and it's boundless. And, I, and I'd like to add that, you know, we love is an emotion. It is a feeling. And there's, there's also that it's an action, right? Correct. To love. It's a, it can be a verb too. And, and, you know, people say, well, like, well, I just, you know, it's difficult to love someone. It might be true emotionally, but behaviorally, the verb love to act 
lovingly towards someone even if you don't have the emotion behind it like you can do that and and i know that's not necessarily what what is going on with the book but i wanted to point that out as you know as talking about like mental health i see a lot of these issues like in working with couples or, or different people that are having struggles in relationships um not just with their paramour or significant other or anything but just with people in their life it's like love can solve the problem and you can just act lovingly towards people even if you don't love them i think that you're right i think that love and that's why i think it's boundless it's because there's no expectation so we we as humans put a lot of expectations on love but the act of love the verb is boundless uh you can give to an unlimited limitless depth of love by giving to others and i think that actually that's the funny thing about when you give is that you get back so much more by benefiting others and that that's definitely a buddhist theology piece and philosophy but i definitely have been profoundly struck and amazingly helped out by that because of the fact that when I chose to go outside and be a benefit to others, I was able to have much more love in my life and happiness and peace because there was no expectation, no judgment, like love without judgment. That is love. That is love. Right. Like love with judgment wouldn't be love. It'd be, it'd be business. It'd be expectations. (laughs) Yeah. And love, love is, Love is love, man. <laughs> That's right. Well, the funny thing about it is, is that so many times we think about that, but there's just different, you know, there's romantic love, but then there is love for your human, for the, you know, the, for all humans. And then there's love that goes to infinity through spiritual means and things like that, that is, you know, outside of your humanly experience. You know, it's, it's in that spiritual realm, which I absolutely, I'm, you know, I'm into that space. But it's amazing. That, sorry, I, I I think, and that is what he gets at too. He's talking about how like there is love that regardless, and he's again he's talking about his wife here, that even if she were dead, even if she wasn't even a part of this world anymore, right? Like there is still that love. It remains. It persists. It is beyond anything. And you think about the context here. They are in the situation that is the exact opposite of love the emotion of love the action they are in a concentration camp where there are crematoriums there are gas chambers they are being i mean he talks about how all they think about is food right right? they want food and the rations they get just bread and soup maybe you get the bottom right maybe they dip the ladle all the way to the bottom and you get some peas right I mean, they, they're in this awful, awful situation, the exact opposite of love. And yet in that most horrible of human conditions, what is it that shows up? What is it that keeps them going? What is it that propels them through these difficult circumstances? It is love. Absolutely. You know, I, I have this moment of uh, castaway. There's Wilson. <laughs> what gets you by, you know, but it's, but it's, a, it's, it is that. It is that spiritual connection that you have to love, to love. 
I think that spiritual connection that you have to it, that mental connection that helps propel you and gives you hope. I think that he's also talking about it being able to give you this infinite amount of hope and peace and so many other things come out of love. And there's so many different philosophical quotes. Um, the Bible has them, you know, there's the, the love chapter <laughs> where they talk about what love is and God is love. And that, but they talk about it, you know, not being this way and not being that way. Uh, I know from my own um, spiritual experience that the Buddhists talk about love in that being a limitless, non judgmental, you know, equanimity everywhere about it. And it being a limit, the biggest thing was limitless. And that's what he's talking about here is that it has no bounds. You know, the fact that you're thinking about a loved one in such a moment, it shows the limitless of it, that it's just, it goes beyond these bodies and that he brings that up quite a bit is that they realize that they were, that they were just bones at this point and they could point out the skin fact that skin and bones and they could tell because they were so malnutrition that they were, the body was eating itself and they could tell when people were going to pass away because of the fact that they just were, but then they were looking, they said, we looked at each other and we said, yeah, we look almost the same. But I think that in moments like that, where you bring up love, you could tell that he was just in that space where it was, you know, that spiritual space where it was uplifting him in a way that uh, was beyond words, beyond measure. And, and so for you listeners joining in with us today for this, uh, for episode four of Guru's Books, Beards, and Self-Improvement, what can you do in your life to feel more love and to show more love. And, you know, I, I don't think we're, we're not going to get political here. We just uh, had um, an event this week that has made people feel very divided, more so than what was going on. And, and I don't care if you're on the right or the left. You need to love each other. That is what gets people through these times. And it does supersede. It is limitless. And it's a matter of figuring out a way to show that, to feel that. Look beyond current circumstances because love, love is greater than what is happening. Great statement. The way that the that I have taught others and has been taught to me is by generating a deep compassion, a deep compassion and understanding others that they are the same. When you understand and you can level set that they are all equal to me, there is no difference. There is no judgment. There is, they are the same. They want the same things. They want to be free from suffering and they want to be happy. And those two main things are what we drive for and variations, you know, of ways we try to handle it is probably not always the best, but that's the two basic things that we're trying to obtain is, you know, we're trying to be free from suffering and, and happy. And when you can realize that that's what everybody is made of, that that's what everybody strives for, they just have negative ways of maybe dealing with it. 
or being able to get it, then you can say, hey, I can love you because I see past that negative thing. I can see that you have a treasure inside of you and everybody does. Everybody has a treasure, you know, a bit of gold inside of them that makes them human, that makes them valuable. And being able to see that in yourself and others generates a huge amount of love. And, you know, the other thing is, is generating love from not just others, but for yourself. Those are the pieces that if you see the treasure in yourself and have compassion for yourself, for the mistakes that you make, for the things that you may, may not be going so well, maybe some of the negative past decisions you've made, but you can have compassion for that person who's, you know, just made some poor decisions then you can generate love, a depth of love that you haven't felt before because you're now going to give that love. I'd like to do a little activity with our listeners to maybe generate this emotion for themselves. You know, I think what you just said is extremely important, that self-love, you know, it's really difficult to love others if you don't love yourself. I invite you, the listener, to sit back in your chair, get your feet planted on the ground, maybe get your uh, your hands and your palms just on your thighs. I want you to either find somewhere in the room around you where you can just look at and kind of just zone out on, you know, just, just look at that image or close your eyes. I just want you to focus on breathing for just a moment. Breathe in and breathe out. Breathe in and breathe out. And now bring to mind a memory where you felt true love. Perhaps romantic love, perhaps brotherly love maybe it is just a love for for your neighbor whatever it is focus on this memory notice all the things about this memory the time of day where you're at notice the sensations the temperature, pay attention to even the sounds that you can hear as you recall this memory. Take a big breath in. And as you exhale, pay attention to how your body is feeling. Look inwardly and feel that love as if you were in that moment again. Again, breathe in. And as you exhale, feel that love that you have felt for others and turn it towards yourself. Perhaps even say, I love myself. I love my imperfections. I love that I am 
doing the best that I can. Take another deep breath in. Breathe it out. And on your next breath, pay attention again to your surroundings. Notice the room or the environment that you're in. If you're outside, just notice what's going on. And bring your awareness back to the present. Now, again, you're listening to the podcast Gurus, Books, Beards, and Self-Improvement. And today we are talking about Man's Search for Meaning by Victor E. Frankel. That is the novel of the month or the book of the month. And I want to know, Andy, what, what, uh, you know, we just went through this big quote of the day about love. You know, <laughs> we got pretty deep there. I don't know. What else did you get from this week's reading? So I will say this. I had a couple thoughts. Um, the first thought I th was thinking about, you know, definitely beyond what we just talked about, which is, of course, I really focused in on the love part of it and the spiritual connection with that, um, the limitless and, and the boundlessness and, un, you know, immeasurable part of that. But I thought also it brought to mind a conversation that I had with about with my granddad a long time ago about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. The fact that he brings up the fact that they were just thinking about gourmet food, you know, food of any type, you know, they're in this situation, they're emaciated, they're anemic. There's typhoid running through the huts they're losing people right and left at this point. You know, it's now to the point to where people are dying because of their emaciation and, you know, and effects of not being able to eat. Yeah. Pretty extreme. Goes and from the the smokestacks, the crematorium, right? And now they're they're gonna die simply because they can't get their basic nutritional needs met. That is extreme. Right. That is extreme. And, and yet, you know, and that's where I was like, what part of the, because usually the Maslow's hierarchy of needs is you need to get your base met, you know, your, your uh, food, shelter, those are the base. And that's where they said that most people were living, but yet they were able to, you know, have weird seances <laughs> and connect spiritually, which means to me, it's almost like a, a reminder that in the depth of all of this despair, there's still a spiritual connection that you have with the others around you. There's still, you know, there's still something more there. He brought up a very big point, and this is also, um, I'm going to quote some Shante Deva, which is a Tibetan monk who wrote around 900 AD. And he talks about the fact that the body is, it's, you know, it, this is just a body. My body is failing, but it is just the body. It's not who I am. I'm more than just this body. And you can find that kind of 
statement in here where they realize I am more than just this body. I am, I am a being of higher, uh, you know, a higher value, higherness to it with values, with, yeah. Beliefs, with desires, with hope. Now the people in the camps on some level, I mean, he talked about how like they just, they didn't have hope. They didn't have anything that they were looking for. Right? It was just basically they're there to survive. He even talks about how like at some point their values disappear. Right. It's just, it, it right. comes down to just survival. And yet at the same time, there's something keeping them going. Right. And I think that that's where he starts going. And I thought it was interesting that he talked about the fact that they didn't even have a sex drive on anymore. We look at that as, you know, in this current day that sex is a need. And in this context, it was just a want. And it wasn't even a want anymore. It was just a, you know, they weren't even thinking about that. They were so hungry and so concentrated on the next meal. Let me, how do I want to eat, you know, to keep myself alive? Do I eat it all at once? Or do I spread it out throughout the day? And the comfort that just a little bit of bread that was left in a shirt or in a coat was something to give somebody hope. And oh, look, whether they eat it right away or ration it for later, right? Like it, it was something to think like, what? Wow. Like, so you're having a deep thought about when to eat crumbs. Right. And you're having this existential moment of when to do that. That is the, that is that is telling. Right? Right. So again, talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I mean, yes, we need sex. No, we don't. We definitely want it. I mean, clearly we don't need it. They, uh, I mean, the people in, in the concentration camps, I mean, maybe they got their kicks, so to speak, one way or another, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> However, he was talking about like, you don't even have five minutes alone, right? Right. Well, it wasn't, and then he said that, that because they were so concentrated on the hunger, that their basic needs getting met weren't even being met. That that was an ex, you know, that was an extra need that you know, or an extra thought. That and we think of it in this way that we need this, especially as men, that I have to have that in my life, and it's so important. And to these people who weren't even getting their basic needs met, it wasn't even a thought anymore. It was just how can I get to the next place. Um, I just I I, I want to say that that kind of speaks to where we're at culturally, that sex is a need, and we see how overly sexualized our society can be at times. You know, I mean, there's you know the sexual revolution, different things like that. I'm not saying that um, sex is a bad thing. You know, right. um, I'm just saying that being a little bit more aware about what it is that's going on physically for us versus emotionally is sex the physical side of it is that a need or is it i mean maybe it's more of an emotional need right but then again maslow's hierarchy of needs we're not looking at emotional needs being met we need the physical to survive right and i think that if you take a look at some of the pleasures that we consider you know sex being food even even you know certain foods Oh, I can't have to, I can't live without this, you know, this type of food. I have to have that kind of food. And, you know, there's people he's, he's looking for peas in the bottom of a soup. You know, he was, he was especially happy because he got a couple more peas and because he was friends with the, you know, the kappa. Yeah. 
and that was a benefit to him is because he was able to share, you know, this guy was able to share. He got a, a couple extra peas, a flavor, a bit of it more nutrition, but which, you know, you could probably burn in the second after all the hard work they're doing. I just had the thought, you know, uh, as we're talking about food, this was one of the last uh, things that I, I read up to this point, um, which if, if you're following along about five pages a day, if, if you're actually reading it, you end up on about page 53 if you're reading the version that I got, or, you know, somewhere around there. But for those that are listening to it, it's basically talking about where Victor is talking with someone from one of the old camps. He's just left the, that old camp, gone somewhere to, to help be a doctor. And he's told that the other camp has resorted to cannibalism. Now, we, we, we know that there's instances in uh, American history where people have resorted to cannibalism. You know, we think back to people journeying and trekking across the, the nation to get to California. Oh, the name escapes me. The Donner Party. The Donner Don, Party. Yeah. Thank you. You know, they resorted to that. And what, what kind of extreme situations do you have to be in to, to start engaging in, in cannibalism? Again, values don't necessarily matter anymore. You know, the fact that perhaps a person that you just spoke to an hour ago is dead and now you're picking off their flesh and trying to boil it. Well, that's gruesome. That's dark. Um, but it's no longer about what's right or wrong. It's about what's going to keep me alive to a degree. Right. And I think that they, I've seen several, I, I've, I remember reading a thing about something. It was like a group of people that were on a boat stuck in the Caribbean. They had that same experience. And they were saved, but then they had to, you know, recall that they had eaten their friend. And I think he had died, but they had decided that they had to, you know, that that was what was going to happen. So they needed to, um, and I think the need for survival, and that's what he keeps talking about, is the need for survival is what drives some of them at such a base level that they did lose their values and there was no more apathy because at that base level you weren't even getting your basic needs and the kick for survival that the that animal side of our brain that says survive starts kicking in and they and the animal brain doesn't have, really it is and and when they do the studies on the mind that's what fight or flight is you know it's that animalistic reptile reptilian brain if you self-preservation right that's and it's it, it will happen and that's where you see people that make decisions for themselves because they're in survival mode and there's people I'm, and i'm sure that as a counselor you've run into people that are in survival mode they're they're every day is a dr trauma mm -hmm. it's been all of their life they've been in trauma and they're in just fight or flight mode and you can see it I remember when I had, I had a daughter that was running away a lot and I remember her eyes just being extremely big because she was in this fight or flight mode. She was in such a traumatic situation in such a trauma mode that she was, her eyes were big. She was, you know, 
didn't wasn't even recognizable as my daughter at that moment you know was fighting fighting you know cops and fighting firefighters because she just was overwhelmed like her brain had shut down and all she was doing was trying to survive and and, you know um talking uh, about that right like it's it's in that moment and i think this is where love true love comes in right You, you can't judge because a person experiencing that level of uh, of trauma, you know, regardless, right? And like some people, are like, oh, that's not, you know, whatever it is is going on, like it's not that big of a deal, right? Like until you've walked in their shoes, you just don't know. You don't right. know what's going on. Everyone has a different tolerance level for what they can and cannot handle, and and the brain does kick in to protect. And um, sometimes people do things that are not okay, values wise, morally. And yet at the same time, look at that lovingly, show compassion and say, what was going on, right? Sometimes people make really awful decisions um, and do awful things simply because maybe their, <laughs> their values are, are just at a different level. Maybe they don't care. There are those types of people. I mean, look at what happened with the concentration camps. You don't get to that point. If someone is, is, I mean, if you really can't care. Well, here's the, here's the thing that's very interesting. And this is what, and I'm not going to make this a political statement, but I am going to say this, that there is othering that happens here. And othering means that they are the other. You are looking for a scapegoat to blame for your problems. And the othering happened in this, in this history case right here. We still currently do some of this at maybe smaller levels and sometimes bigger levels. But if you think about it, that was what they did. They had been through World War I and they came out a very poor country, Germany was at that point. And they were trying to blame a subset of individuals for why they were suffering. And so that's when the Brown Party kind of took over and hit, and Nazi Germany kind of was founded was because they had blamed the Jews because they had the money. They, had, they, were, the, they were intelligent. Um, if you take a look at some of the beginning of the book, that's exactly what they were calling them. So they, they had in their mind been persuaded that this was the, ro- this was the root of all evil. And the fact that they were so othered <laughs> that they were dehumanized. And that's what you do when you do othering, that you dehumanize them. And when you dehumanize surely, them, surely. you can do, right, you can do things that you personally could not even imagine. Now, not all Germans were like this. There was actually a high percent of Germans that didn't think this way. And they either left or they tried to change things. But some of them were just like not we're going along with it because the other thing was death. The Gestapo would come and get you for your beliefs. But the fact that they had othered them to the point and dehumanized them and it had gotten over so long. And I think he explains that, and you'll, we'll go into another, I think another segment of this to where they explain this dehumanizing that they were able to do to the point to where they were lower than dogs. You know, you wouldn't treat your dog like this but they had done it because they had been brainwashed into thinking that they were so other than human, that they were the cause of all of the, 
inflation problems and the fact that that country had no money and especially coming from world war one there was like triple i remember hearing a story where people were you could go to lunch and by the time that your lunch was served it was costing twice the amount three times the amount because the inflation of the deutschmark at that point was so high that it was just un it was it was crazy and there was no hope in sight so you know they were so poor at that point that they started just, oh, well, the rich and the rich were the Jewish at this point in their opinions. And we've done that. If you think about the way that we set up groups and communities, it's a simple thing would be uh, football, American football. My team's better than your team. What's the differentiation? Well, I, I grew up in this city. <laughs> right. And you have a great camaraderie There's no bias with... there. There's <laughs> yeah. no bias. <laughs> <laughs> right. You grew up in a city. So some of them grew up in a city or you grew up wanting, watching that football team, or they were winning at the time when you were a kid, Montana, uh, so there's a lot of 49er fans out there just because they were really good at one time. And they were like, I want to be part of the good train, even though they're 49er fans coming from a Cardinals fan, but that's, but that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's so easy to other them. I've seen people get into fist fights in the stadiums that I've been to at games. I mean, granted there was some drinking involved, but their inhibitions had been gone. So now they're blaming that Niners fan for, you know, why they're losing this game. Like you have any, <laughs> <laughs> like you have any uh. power and honestly you have zero like these guys are playing a game and they have zero, you know, like most of the time they're right. being, they're, like the they're getting a paycheck has as much control over it as, as a person that's in uh, a boat off the coast of China. <laughs> like, you know, like wh- screaming at it may help. It does give you some good vibes. We're sending good vibes to them, you know, and if you believe in quantum theory, maybe that your good vibes are vibrating them to will it into happening. I don't know. Well, but but then the people that are playing have to be on the same wavelength then in order to experience those good positive vibes. Right. right? And then, so it's like, I mean, yeah. So I, I think the moral of the story here, right, is that like we don't want to other people. And and the natural thing to do is to try and scapegoat someone because it is really tough to look inwardly and take accountability for our own failures or our own choices that perhaps in hindsight we recognize as not the best. And so to own up to that right? To let go of the pride and say, wow, I may, you know, I, I was wrong here, or I shouldn't have done that. Or, you know, I, I can do this differently next time. Like that is really tough because it, it, it is admitting weakness. It is admitting imperfection. It is. And guess what? We're imperfect. You know, we're imperfect beings. And that's the one thing to always remember is that we're not perfect. The other thing is though, that we are, you know, we say human to errors to human to be human. And I think that that's a very big statement. I think I also drew from this perspective is the fact that you can change the way that you look at other people, you know, because they are also making just as many mistakes as you are. You know, you think about on a daily basis, how many little silly things that you do or think and maybe act upon. Well, so are other people. They're not always doing their ideal self. (laughs) 
<laughs> most people aren't. They're just trying to live life and survive and do the best that they can. And, you know, I always think about that with like parents. We blame a lot of parents. Oh, if my parents would have done this, I would have been in a better situation in life or whatever it is that we blame somebody else for, especially in our past. And, you know, we very rarely think, well, they're doing the best that they could with what they had skill sets for. You know, they may have not had a good upbringing that gave them the skill sets to be able to respond in a proper, proper way or react to things the way that they should have. And, and it's really tough, though, because we, we want to be validated, right? Because there are, let's, we don't live in a vacuum. Right. And this is actually something I talk about with my clients a lot. Right. We look to the past, we look at the sources, we look at the influences and we say, you know what? Yeah, you know what your parent did wasn't okay. You didn't deserve that. You were just a child, right? Or even if it happened to him as an adult, like that, that's not okay. Like you didn't deserve that. And like, who's steering your boat? If you're in an ocean and you're in a boat and the waves are tossing you to and fro and, and you're feeling like you have no control, and you're blaming those waves, right? Ah, oh, these waves, they're, they're not letting me get to my destination. Guess what? You have a motor. You get to choose whether to engage that motor and influence the direction that you now go. Are there going to be choppy waves along the way? Are there things going on outside your control? Absolutely. Let's recognize it. Let's give voice to that. And at the same time, choose the direction and it can be so difficult because sometimes these waves are just little waves sometimes they're tidal waves and they feel so overwhelming and i think to sit back and and um think about that analogy man like take accountability for your part recognize the role that other people or other things are playing and then do something. You can't change the past. I think preferring that things are different is okay. Dwelling on it won't change anything. And so choose to focus on other things. And it's not easy. You know, and that's something that we could get into another time. You know, I mean, that's why people go to right. therapies to try to figure that stuff out. Like, how do you, right. after difficulties, choose to make a new path? or go a different direction. Right. And I think we call that the work. That's I had a teach a teacher once say a, a spiritual teacher and uh, that said, this is the work. This is the work. This is the work of our life. And I think that that's exactly, if we go back to the book, that's exactly what they're doing. They're going through these miserable times and he's recollecting these moments and I'm sure that that is, you know, he's now doing it, you know, this, he's written this book from the future, writing about his experience. And, and I, I'm sure that he needs to tell the story to tell the story because sometimes it needs to be said so that, you know, and I, I know that in his case, he was hoping that we would never repeat the same because that, that dark history does have value in the fact that we hope to learn from it and never repeat it. And I think that if you go to, I know my mom went to actually Auschwitz when she was younger in like in high school or something, she was living in Germany. 
and that was the the memorial that's there was you know it's a it's extremely sad extremely um, overwhelming my mom said but what she did say was that there was parts where they were saying and let this never happen again and that's how we have to take a look at it is is that it's a lesson in our history that was a very dark chapter just like in our lives we have dark chapters but let it be a lesson and not so that we can learn from it and be able to move on. And I think that's exactly what we can, you know, this is extremely sad. Uh, this book bringing this, at least this segment of it is very sad, but he's also writing it from a perspective of, but I got through it. Cause you know that he's writing is in, is after he's been there and he gives you some hope at the same time by the fact that just this book exists so that you can he learn survived. the lesson. He did survive and he did learn the lesson. And he's telling you at this base level, here's how you can survive. And he's talking about love, spirituality being involved, you know, relying on your human, your, your the human next to you just to help walk at times. You know, he was talking about people with their shoes and they could barely, you know, if you had some hobble, you would hold on to the person in front of you so that you could march with them. And people were accepting of that. You know, yes, I need to help you. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll be your guide as you march through the dark. And I think those are powerful imagery that we can carry, that we can be there for others and others can be there for us. It's a joint effort. Right. Um, if you had each one of those uh, people in the, concentration camps if they weren't able to meet together to do a seance or to sing songs or whatever it was that you know he was writing about in this in this part of the book i don't think any of them would have survived no i think that that's and that's the power of humankind is that together we survive and there's to your point again this brings out this you know this last <laughs> this whole time period in our lives where we're in the middle of a pandemic, huge amounts of American uh, political upheaval. And still the best thing that, and the, the biggest thing that you can take from it is that through connecting with each other is how we can survive. The way out is through that and only through that. And, and um, even if... You know, the worst case scenario, like you have no control over what's happening, right? Like we're reading about, you still have choice on how to respond. And it might be the most difficult thing. And I, and I think that is, that is key, right? It's like, we're not saying it's ever going to be um, enjoyable <laughs> to do this, right? Or, or easy or anything like that. But, uh, that you can choose how to respond. You can choose to look at the sunset. You can choose to notice the snow-capped mountains if you have snow-capped mountains. And he doesn't because he's in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have snow-capped mountains. We do. They just uh, show up about 100 miles from here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they're in Utah. <laughs> no, no. So... Um, <laughs> So 
but you know i i think um as a segue into the the, the last portion of, of today's podcast right it's um you can choose what to focus on you can choose your goals you can choose your approach to things outside of your control and it is so important that you do that and if you are having difficulty figuring that out if you're like okay i get that that makes sense but like how right i encourage you to reach out to a therapist i encourage you to reach out to us i am a licensed clinical social worker i can give you some some advice i'll give it to you for free that's fine <laughs> andy andy's a buddhist dharma practitioner he has a lot of insight he's very very um kind and considerate and and i think very thoughtful in his approach and he will not give you bad advice so i i encourage you to reach out and and uh you know seek that help if you need to we just mentioned you can't really do it alone you just no. really can't you need others and uh that is not weakness that is just a fact of life so let's let's move into this last portion then i want to talk about our uh, our goals that we're working on because i want to maintain that accountability right it's mm -hmm. it's uh still um early on in january of 2021 how are you doing with your goals andy you know i'm doing really well here is what i'm doing i am still doing a video a day so I do a video a day to TikTok, and then I've been pushing it either to Instagram or to actually just straight to YouTube now. If I think that it's like a beard product review that's kind of fun, it's like a six, you can do 60 second shorts. I have made more batch recordings so that during the week, I'm not searching for, oh, when can I get the time? Oh, you know, this meeting showed up out of nowhere. Now I don't have the time I thought. So I'm doing batch recordings to help the workflow. And then I'm also doing smaller reviews. So I'm not like reviewing all of their products at once. And that seems to be able to, I think that I'm in a better space with that because then I can say, hey, I tried it this week and I don't have to review everything you know, that I bought from them. I can just say this is the thing I bought this week that I can that I can review in a smaller chunk. It's more digestible to a user and or a Which watcher. Which is right along with our idea of smarkles, right? Like that's exactly what break I'm doing. it down, smaller objectives. Yeah, that's exactly what I Yep. And then I've also Realistic. my right. And then I also am buying more and look researching more into the equipment. And like this week I was able to obtain a microphone and then I found out that I needed something else for that microphone, but I'm doing it in smaller chunks so that you, cause you can't, otherwise it's, you know, $5,000 worth of equipment that you need. But I found that if I just dive it into smaller chunks and get pieces of it that will work, it'll slowly grow. And then, you know, then I'm in a good situation and I'm not going, Oh, my videos are not good quality because I don't have the right equipment. But the other thing that it is, is that it's the mindset that I'm doing. The smaller chunks help build it. It's like that thermal again, where you're writing this thermal and you don't know how high you're getting until you look down and you realize, oh, I've been circling a long time, but now I look down and I see, oh, wow, I really have made some content. I've been able to, you know, we're talking about doing podcasts. It's, it's awesome. 
And the other thing is, is I've been relying on a couple friends this week to help uh, do like my friend James that I do beard and desserts with on Thursdays. I asked him to find some guests, you know, so I'm not going and searching for guests all the time and trying to figure out, not that I don't have good friends that are guests. Like I have Brian all the, on all the time, yes, but it's good to get some help. It's good to reach out and say, Hey, uh, you know, every week of Brian, probably <laughs> people yeah. would be like, Hey, don't you have, don't you have some other products? <laughs> so we're doing some, <laughs> so now we're doing artists as well. So that I, I really like that James is doing kind of, he found uh, somebody who's doing art for products and things like that. So I'm really excited That's about awesome. that. Yeah, so smart so you guys, is still going in that. So that whole space is going on, and and it and it doesn't seem to be slowing down. But I'm also realizing you can't just boom, and now suddenly you're doing all this stuff. You just have to slowly work at it. Very nice. So, um, you guys listening, look up Andy's uh, videos on YouTube. He uh, his handle is the Bearded Practitioner. You can find him on Instagram. Under the He's, same, yeah, same handle. Mm-hmm, under the same handle. And so uh, I encourage you guys to look that up. Let's see. My, you know, I, I want to tell you a little bit about my progress here. So I am trying to be realistic in that I'm not doing any dieting. Okay. I am just doing a lifestyle change. I am eating more veggies. I'm trying to eat, you know, two to three more servings of veggies a day. A day. So far, I've been doing really good at that. And I'm also trying to not eat late in the evening. I'm trying to stop eating between, you know, like five or six. And then after that, just water, you know, oh, nice. water how's that doing so for you? It's going really, so I feel better. I, I really do feel better. I can't, you know, I, again, I'm not necessarily thinking about this as like a way to lose weight during COVID. I will say that I, I couch surfed a lot, not couch surfed. <laughs> I, I live at home. I didn't need to couch surf. What is it? A couch potato. Jeez. <laughs> I was a little bit of a couch potato. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe like some of you, um, I, I really enjoy potato chips and uh, I wanted to support local businesses who were still open for carry out. so you know and you know what i didn't eat that many veggies and and this year so far i'm doing better and i'm feeling really good it's it's nice to be able to practice what i preach i love that and see and that's the one thing is we live by i think examples are us living by an example that we've set is so valuable Um, it's so important 100 percent and it, you know, it's always, it's a little, it's hard to do sometimes. I'm glad that you brought up a very good point though. It's a lifestyle change, which means it's a habit of mind change. You know, sometimes our habits are to go to the refrigerator and go to the store and go to the same chip aisle and go, and we just do that per road. I mean, I know, I know I go to the grocery store and we always go down the same aisles and we start making it a habit. This is what I buy. I buy some bananas from this section. I go and buy some cold cuts, go buy some milk, go down the soda aisle, go buy whatever everybody wants. And then we just kind of go through this whole motion of, of what we're going to get. And I think Mm -hmm. you're changing your habits of mind 
to be able to, and that habit of mind change actually dictates your actions. And then you're able to say, Hey, I'm going to, you know, now I'm going to pick out vegetables. And now you're getting in the habit of picking out vegetables. And then soon it's just going to be a rote thing for yourself. Yeah. Like, cause that's I what mean, we do. Sure, we love to be there for sure. Right now it, it has, it's very deliberate. If I am right. not aware and I'm just kind of going through without thinking, doing my thing, I have, I mean, and I haven't been perfect. Right. Like, again, I'm, I'm not doing a diet type thing. I'm just doing a lifestyle right. change. Right. And sometimes I have I, I, I ate a bowl of ice cream, you know, at 9 p.m. And it was like, well, <laughs> you know, really tasty. Like I enjoyed it. And then I didn't do that for eight days. You know, like that's that's really good. And so I'm, I'm, I'm making those changes. And for the listeners out there, you have to start by paying much more attention. Do whatever you can to break up your habit interrupt it somehow put put uh, posters reminding of what you were looking for vision boards get yourself alarms that go off at certain times that are very very annoying that remind you of what you need <laughs> you know like anything you can do to break the cycle of whatever it is that you're trying to change or improve absolutely so out of sight out of mind kind of thing so you bring it inside putting in reminders everywhere you can and I think that that's the one thing that changes your, because your mind is really what controls everything. And that, that, that's the one thing that really you're, you're breaking up. You really have to do it in chunks, small bits. And then you can go like what you said for about two weeks with, I'm going to change everything. And then you'll go right back to habit because you didn't really do anything to change the, the mindset behind it that, you know, was, oh, my, my habit is to do this. You didn't change the mind that went behind it that said, I'm going to do these little changes that will make a huge difference. And that's the one thing that I've, I, I meditation for me is that, that meditation that we did today in the podcast is a meditation that I started off with very simple. And it actually started even simpler was breathing. And now I'm a meditation teacher, but that's how I started in life was just the simple meditations of breathing, following my breath, not letting my mind wander all over the place, being able to focus on an object like what we were talking about. We were talking about an object mind, you know, we're not just disappearing into meditation and falling asleep. And as, as I continue with my meditation pr practice, I got better and better and better and more focused and I was able to, at some point, really feel the relief from it. But it took, you know, the first few times you do it, you, oh, you feel so peaceful because you're so, but it, after, I would say the first month of it, you just lose the, just the newness of it. It's I think that's now the new norm. It's Yeah. And once the new norm is now you're really getting the benefit because now you're focusing on these objects that are not new anymore. Now it's, I, I have want to go deeper. And I think that for you, like you'll be, I, I really enjoy these, but what kind of vegetables do I really, really like? You know, what are, what is it given? What am I getting nutritional, nutritionally? How do I spruce this recipe up? So it's not so bland, but still healthy. Right. And then <laughs> right. you'll find, you'll find recipes and then you'll find, cause the first, the newness of it being in there and it tastes so good because of that, but then you're going to find that. Maybe there's some stuff that you got left out. Like, you know, we add a whole lot of different things to make it taste better with potato chips and things. It's like, there's a reason why the salt's in there. And 
You well, know? and our bodies become accustomed to that, and that's what we expect. And you go enough right. time eating healthily, um, your body doesn't crave those things anymore. It doesn't need it anymore. Which things is nice. with only a pinch of salt all of a sudden have this explosion of flavor. Right, exactly. You know? Well, that's and the whole so point it's a of it. Of just readjusting the levels of what your body chemically is expecting. Love that it. takes time. Love it. So, love it. Okay, we're <laughs> we are on to the. Uh, we've probably gone way over, but um, absolutely love it. And so, thanks everybody uh, who is on listening to this podcast, and of course, Brian. And we just want to remind that next month we are doing Eckhart Tolle's Power of Now. So please purchase that book. Again, we will be, you know, we we want to hear from you. So we will be doing something to give away a copy of it here probably next next episode. We'll figure that out and we'll let you know what that is. Any other last words, Brian? Um, Shoot us an email, gurusepodcast1 at gmail.com. Give us a follow on Instagram at gurusepodcast. And um, thank you so much for listening. Whatever it is that you're working on, whatever your your goals are, you can do it. Maintain that consistency. And we'll check in with you next time on Gurus Books, Beards, and Self-Improvement. And stay bearded if you have a beard. Beard on.